Well, hi there, folks. Joe Cunningham here on the Joe Cunningham Show. Good to be back with you guys. 232-1542 if you want to be part of the program. Got a lot to talk about today, of course. Been out the first three days this week. Took a little bit of time off. Got some things done, which was nice. Santa was able to finish a lot of the Christmas shopping. Uh, And we were able to get some things done. Wow, I hope my kids did not have the radio on to listen while I was saying that. Uh, Anyway, 232-1542 if you want to be part of the conversation. There is a whole lot going on today. Let's start with some of the breaking news. The biggest breaking story right now, the Senate has passed the $1.7 trillion omnibus spending bill, uh, and it is not going to make House Republicans happy. Several House Republicans have spoken out against it, including Kevin McCarthy. Let's see if uh, he is actually going to follow through and... uh, and actually stand firm on that, or if he's just trying to make a solid conservative play to win back some of the conservative support he's lost in his bid for speaker. Um, So in a 68 to 29 vote, uh, the Senate passed, that is with a lot of crossover voting from the Republicans, uh, the Senate has passed the $1. trillion omnibus spending bill after working through a disagreement on immigration policy that had stalled the measure's passage. Wow, the immigration deal is the only is, is what was stalling it. That's that's pretty bad on the Republicans' part. There's a lot of things to not be happy about here. First of all, the, the completely manufactured crisis here. This is omnibus bills, omnibus spending bills, every time, every year we get to this point, and it is a it is an entirely manufactured process. The omnibus bill is a massive bill that covers all the spending for the government, and it's a perfect opportunity for politicians to throw in whatever grab bag stuff they want. Like all omnibus bills, the omnibus spending bill for the fiscal year is nonsense. It does not have to be a massive bill. You can piecemeal together everything that you want in a series of bills to get individual departments uh, funded. And you can work through the individual problems that you have because there are some things that are necessary to fund and some things that are not necessary to fund. But this has to go to the House now. And the House is going to take it up. The House... uh, I I just don't know where, where it's going to go on this. You have... You have House Republicans that are not happy with the omnibus spending bill. Uh, Kevin McCarthy has come out against it. Uh, they're going to work on some things. There's several Republicans that say, why don't we just delay it until the next Congress gets seated when we, the Republicans, have a five-seat majority? That's what they're saying. Kevin McCarthy sounds like he wants to go with it, but Kevin McCarthy is part of the problem here. I've made it known. My feelings on Kevin McCarthy. I don't think I have to, to, to jump into all of that again. But Kevin McCarthy and Mitch McConnell are the same person. Deep down, they are the exact same person. They are more interested in their own personal power and how they use it to get done what they want to get done versus what the party and what the ideologues actually want. Kevin McCarthy is going to use the conservatives to help him hold the line on this so that he can build himself enough rapport with the conservatives. He's already got several on his side, including, strangely enough, Marjorie Taylor Greene and others. 
Mark Levin, I'm sure you guys heard him uh, not too long ago on the air on his show blasting the five conservatives who don't want McCarthy to be the speaker. Um, But McCarthy really needs to get those votes to become the Speaker of the House. He cannot afford to lose too many votes. With a narrow majority, he needs every Republican vote to get his lifelong dream of becoming Speaker of the House. So he has to pretend to be conservative. And he may just pull it off. If, however... He pretends to be conservative long enough to scuttle the omnibus bill and get something better through. I will consider that a win, and I will say now that I I would support Kevin McCarthy in that endeavor alone. Still do not support him for Speaker of the House. But if he gets something like the omnibus bill killed and broken up into parts and passed through that way, that would be a much better deal. Chuck Schumer is out there. He's been lamenting this whole we we don't need a government shutdown type thing, blah, 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 all this, the typical stuff. A government shutdown really does not do as much scary stuff as everybody who works in government says. First of all, government shutdown sounds like a very nice idea to me, given what our government's been doing. But... The important stuff still gets funded. It stays open. People aren't fired. They're furloughed, but they get back pay later. Nothing really major happens in a government shutdown other than the government agencies, in an effort to make their absence feel known most, they go to social media and they say, this page will be deactivated, or this page, nobody will be posting this page because of a government shutdown. Like, we really care about who's tweeting what from from NASA. We don't. Of course, this would be the one time where NASA can't tweet out because they don't have a social media person that there's an alien invasion coming. Not likely to happen, but knowing our luck, the way this year's gone, perfectly reasonable to assume that could happen. But the omnibus spending bill has passed the Senate. It will go to the House now. It will be interesting to see how the Republicans in the House play it. If they can get it delayed into the new year, hooray for them. I'm not too sure that'll happen. I think Kevin McCarthy will cut some sort of deal that will make himself look good, but will really not do anything major. But that is the big breaking news of the moment. The other breaking news of the moment, you heard uh, on Bongino's show just a moment ago, Lisa Booth was saying this one. uh, FTX founder Sam Bankman-Fried will be released on a $250 million bail to his parents' Palo Alto home. He will be forced to live with his parents. For a little while. Uh, And FTX is actually where I was going to start the show today before the omnibus bill passed. So this is actually a pretty good transition point uh, for where I wanted to go today. Uh, If you go to joecunninghamshow.substack.com, the show notes are out for today. Uh, We're going to get into TikTok and their latest troubles in the second half of the show. But right now I want to focus on the FTX scandal. Two of Sam Bankman-Fried's closest allies have pled guilty, and it's speculated that it's, you know they, they've been meeting with the feds for a while and that they've got a pretty sweet uh, they've got a pretty sweet um, plea deal out of this. It is interesting that 
Sam Bankman Freed has become kind of a cartoon character of rich, out-of-touch people. Uh, he was in a prison in the Bahamas and complained about the conditions there. Uh, he has, he, he before before his arrest, he was making all these media interviews and doing everything that every lawyer in the world would say do not do, but he really and truly thinks that he would get out of it. He is kind of a, a, a sociopath in that regard. He really does not consider... He really does not consider consequences to be for him. He does not care what he has done to other people. He got his money, and more importantly, he was able to pay off people to keep the scam going. This is one of the things that's actually jumping out there right now is just how much money Sam Bankman-Fried and FTX had given to politicians, particularly Democrats, over the years. One of those Democrats you've probably never heard of, Jesus Chuy Garcia. You probably don't know him. He is a congressman from Illinois. But right now he's the front runner in the race for mayor of Chicago. Now that's not very local, so why would I bring it up? Well, he's currently a congressman. And he's on the House Financial Services Committee. And Chuy Garcia received $200,000 in campaign donations from Sam Bankman-Fried and FTX. He received that money in a year that he was running unopposed. That should raise all sorts of red flags. And it's raising flags in the Democrat mayor's race, or the, the Chicago mayor's race, which I guess Democrat, probably all the same thing. He got $200,000, and he's admitted it. He has admitted that he got this money, and his campaign, his, his office gave like $2,900 to a charity, $2,900 that came from, from uh, uh, SBF and FTX. Uh, but I mean, there is a massive amount of money. $200,000 is a pretty hefty amount of money. Allegedly for, uh, for digital ads and, and ads and things like that. But that, that was a race he ran unopposed. He was ahead of the House, or he was not the head, but he was he was one of the Democrats on the House Financial Services Committee. And FTX has cost a lot of working class Americans a ton of money. It was a it was a cryptocurrency Ponzi scheme. And we don't know the extent because he donated um, I mean his mom was like a bundler for the Democrats. He himself donated a ton of money to Democrats and Democratic causes. We don't know the extent of his influence in the Democratic Party and the politicians that he supported, what he might have given them in trade for anything else, for any any favorable vote, anything like that. We don't know. And before anybody jumps on me about what about the Republicans, this or that, it is bad 
whenever anybody does it, whenever anybody takes that special interest money and uses it to vote for what those big, deep pockets want and not what the people who elected them to office want. But this is the most recent case, and it's a case that favors Democrats, a lot of Democrats. And those are answers that we should get. What exactly did Sam Bankman-Fried pay for when he paid these Democrat politicians all this money in campaign donations? All right. 232-1542. Let's go ahead and take a break. We'll be back here on the Joe Cunningham Show in uh, News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542. If you want to be part of the conversation, you can also uh, you can also reach out to us through the tape the KPL app chat. Uh, we'll respond to those as those messages come in as well. Um, back to the omnibus spending bill. Uh, there's a couple things you need to know just in terms of the uh, of the level of spending in there. Eight hundred and fifty eight billion dollars in military spending. Uh, Minority leader Mitch McConnell called it the world's greatest military getting the funding increase that it needs, outpacing inflation. Uh, the bill also has $772.5 billion in non-defense discretionary spending and $45 billion in aid for Ukraine and NATO allies. And the Ukraine situation... President Zelensky gave a gave a, a speech to Congress last night. Uh, my colleague at Red State Strife had a really good take on that particular speech. Uh, if you go to redstate.com, Zelensky's speech did what it needed to do, but it wasn't a home run. Strife's take is about where I am in all this. So I support the sending of aid to Ukraine. And I know that there's a lot of you listening who kind of fall into that Tucker Carlson isolationist camp where we should be focusing on ourselves, not sending money to another war overseas. But it is also in the best national security interest of the United States for Russia to not be able to extend its sphere of influence further into Europe or elsewhere. Because whether or not you want the U.S. to be an isolationist nation, the influence of Russia on other countries and other parts of the world undermines that. Because America's own interests abroad get harmed whenever Russia and China expand their influence. It is impossible to be a truly isolationist nation, which I know a lot of conservatives in the post-Trump era are looking for. But it's impossible to be truly isolationist. Everything is interconnected here. Now, there needs to be some restraint. You can't just give blank checks to Ukraine, which is what the Biden administration has been doing. That is actually wrong. But targeted specific aid, sharing of military technology, things like that, that is beneficial to both Ukraine and the United States, which is what Strife points out in his article. 
Zelensky's speech was not a bad speech. It hit all the right notes. It did what it was supposed to. It got Congress to agree to come on board for the most part. But it wasn't a home run. It didn't get it, it wasn't a, you know, everybody's convinced. A lot of people who were already in support of it grew more in support of it. A lot of people who were already against it didn't really change their minds. But it was a good speech that got done what it was supposed to do. But the Biden administration is showing that it is more willing to spend this money overseas than spend it on our own borders. Corinne Jean-Pierre cannot tell you what Kamala Harris has been doing to study and work on the immigration problem at the border. And that's Kamala Harris's job. The Biden administration gave her that job. And she hasn't been able to do it. And they can't explain what she has or has not done. All right, y'all, we're going to take a break. When we come back, more on this and the rest of the news of the day here on the Joe Cunningham Show News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542 if you want to be part of the conversation. You can also send a message through the KPL app chat. I finally was able to log back in. They they changed our, our login and stuff for things, some background stuff. But I, I actually, I was telling you guys to, to send a message to the show and I wasn't able to get in until over the break. So now I can see your messages. So go ahead and send a message in uh, there. You can also, like I said, call 232-1542. Let's talk about TikTok. I feel like I've been talking about it uh, nonstop. Although I did, it, it just keeps popping up. There's a lot of concern about this app. And I am a user of the app. I am somebody who uses TikTok. I don't um I don't do anything political on it. I don't do anything like that. I just post stupid thoughts that come to my head, which is how a lot of my political opinions form actually. But anyway, uh this is uh this is a fascinating series of events. We've known that TikTok, the Chinese were able to see the data that was collected by TikTok. It wasn't until very recently the scope of what data that is collected was discovered. And there was a deep investigative dive by Forbes looking into it. And when this came out, one of the allegations was that employees could look at any of this information at any point. And it would be some seriously private, deep information. It should make you very concerned for your kids using the app. So ByteDance, the company that owns TikTok, did this internal audit, did this internal investigation, looking into what Forbes was saying in their investigative report. And a lot of Forbes information came from whistleblowers in the company. One of the allegations, again, being that uh, employees dug up some of the information on U.S. journalists. So TikTok, uh, so ByteDance went and looked into this and they found that actually, yes, that did happen. From the New York Times, 
The investigation was initiated after an article was published by Forbes, and the inquiry confirms part of that report and highlights the privacy and security risks associated with TikTok that U.S. lawmakers, state governors, and Trump and Biden administrations have raised raised for more than two years. More than a dozen states have banned TikTok from government-issued devices, and the company has been prolonged in negotiations with the administration on security and privacy measures that would block any potential access of U.S. user data by ByteDance and the Chinese government. ByteDance's general counsel, Eric Anderson, revealed the findings of the investigation, which was conducted by an outside law firm in an email to employees on Thursday. All four employees involved in the scheme, again, the one to look to dig up the information from the two U.S. journalists, were fired. The company said, correcting an earlier statement that one of the four had resigned. Two of the employees were working in China and two were in the United States. ByteDance said that it had restructured its internal audit and risk team and had removed any access to U.S. data from that, apart- from that department. The, dar- the targeted reporters wrote for BuzzFeed and the Financial Times, ByteDance said, though it declined to identify them and, others affected, and other affected TikTok users. BuzzFeed said in a statement that it was deeply disturbed about the findings of the investigation and that it was not informed about it by ByteDance or TikTok. We, quote, Tend to intend to review our legal options moving forward, the company said. It's really bad for BuzzFeed. BuzzFeed is an outlet that makes it makes its money by going viral on social media. Um, now, the news and journalism side of BuzzFeed is not as popular online as its other social media endeavors. Um, If you've ever heard of the site Tasty, that's a BuzzFeed spinoff, and it's all cooking videos, all cooking content, things like that. They they are the ones that made these listicles, these long list-type stories popular on the Internet. Uh, They do the online quizzes, things like that. All these things tend to go viral and do great in online traffic. And it's only through social media that BuzzFeed can be the household name that it is among younger internet users. So that one of the social media apps they tend to utilize would come back and bite them in the rear is kind of disturbing for them. And it should give a lot of companies pause because there is a lot of talk of utilizing TikTok in ways to attract uh, new customers, new clients, people to work for them, etc., but how much of your company information do you put on that device? Kyle Arwen, our, sta- our Secretary of State here in Louisiana, has banned TikTok on government-issued devices for his department. In the same breath, he said to John Bell Edwards, you need to do the same. He wrote a letter, an open letter, everybody could see it, urging John Bell Edwards to ban TikTok from government-issued devices. At the same time, legislators in Louisiana are considering legislation to do just that. More than a dozen states have taken part in this. This includes North Dakota, South Dakota, Iowa, 
Maryland, Texas, Utah, Virginia. There are other departments in the federal government that are making those same moves. There are legislators in state and federal uh, chambers that are looking to ban TikTok from government-issued devices by any means necessary. And there are still some people who admit that Donald Trump was right to try to force uh, ByteDance to sell TikTok to an American company. Because having a social media app that has all of its information running through servers in China is a major data risk. And this gets back to something extremely important. A larger lesson, a larger discussion that needs to be had. How aware are you and I as parents over what our kids put online? Hell, how many of us are aware of what we're putting online? I've mentioned I'm a TikTok user. I use every social media service I try, at least for a little bit. I like seeing the new innovations, things like that. That's just the kind of person I am. I'll use it for a little bit, forget about it, maybe delete the account and move on later. But some of these apps, like TikTok, aren't just going away unless the government finds some way to ban it. But even then, you're going to have people that move on to another service. And you're not guaranteed that the same bad actors won't just start the whole process over again with a different app. And then it'll take several years for us to realize it's the exact same thing. This all could have been prevented, by the way, had Twitter not done such a terrible job with their video service called Vine that they bought. It was a popular app. Twitter bought it, then shut it down because they couldn't manage the, they couldn't manage the platform. And that actually became the basis for what TikTok's doing. Elon Musk could very well be a hero if he would start Vine up again at Twitter. But I digress. How aware are you of what your kids are posting online? How aware are you of, the own, of your own information that you let slip online? Because there are ways to control. There's, there's ways to, to funnel it to where only certain things get through. But you have to be aware. And there are plenty of tools available online for you to do it. But we are seeing a lot of social issues among children in the United States that stem from overuse on social media. Body image issues that come from Instagram, privacy and data issues coming from TikTok, online cyberbullying, text message harassment, revenge porn, the leaking of nude photos that are taken. All of these issues stem from basically unregulated use of social media by kids and their parents aren't really paying all that much attention. You may think you are. You may think that you're paying attention, but there's always going to be something that slips through. And that's something that parents have to be deeply, deeply aware of. If you don't know what kind of information that your kid is putting out there or what pictures or what videos or anything like that your kid is putting out there, your child is opened up to a lot of these problems.
And as somebody who is a parent and somebody who has taught teenagers and seen some of them go through some of these issues, I can tell you the end result is never pretty. It is time for us to reclaim that guardian role. I'm not saying it's y'all. Most of y'all are probably good parents. But as a society, it's time for us to reclaim that parental, that guardian role. Don't be mean. Don't be demanding. Don't be super strict. But be understanding with your kids. But also be firm with them. Because they don't quite grasp the implications of what could happen if their information, their pictures, their life gets out there. All right, 232-1542 if you want to call in or send a message to the KPL app, you can. We will be back in just a moment here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542 if you want to be part of the conversation. Thrilled to be back in the studio with you guys. I will be here tomorrow as well. So, uh we will get to close out the week together and go into the Christmas holiday. And we all come back tired and uh, worn out from the holiday festivities, whatever they may be. Um, before I go on, got to let you know about my friend, Robbie Bishop at Robbie Bishop photography. Uh, proud to be endorsing him on the show. I've known Robbie for years. When I was uh, working in the school system, I got put in charge of picture day at the school and we were using one company did not really like the results we were getting from there. Uh, Robbie reached out. We uh, got to know each other, picked him up as a school photographer and have had nothing but great results since then. Robbie is an absolute professional and he does more than just the school pictures, senior portraits. I know some of you parents are looking into that right now. Many sessions for you and the family newborn pictures. We get our Christmas pictures done with him during his Christmas minis in November every year. Love the work that Robbie does. You know, I'm I'm not really much, or I wasn't really much of a Christmas card guy, but the the pictures that he is able to get of my girls and of the family together uh, just couldn't not uh, start sending Christmas cards out. So Robbie's work is, it's good no matter what you're looking for. All you need to do is reach out to Robbie. Robbie at RobbieBishop.com. Call him, 337-456-5632. I guarantee you, you're going to have a fantastic experience if you reach out. Talk to my friend Robbie Bishop today to get your photography needs taken care of. All right. So, y'all, I did it. I finally, the one thing I have not been able to pull off when it comes to holiday cooking, I was finally able to do. Pralines. I've not been able to do it. There have been recipes online. I've tried them. I've not been able to get the consistency right. I've not been able to get them to firm up like I've wanted them to. And I keep going back to my great-grandmother's recipe. Now, I've had this theory. I may have shared this theory with y'all before. But my theory is that grandmas and great-grandmas, particularly Southern Baptist ones, I'm not sure what it is, but particularly Southern Baptist ones, They don't write everything down on the card. 
I feel certain that something was missing, something was tweaked. She did it a different way than what she had written down. So I made a couple of tweaks. One of the things I did is I didn't use a candy thermometer. I used a digital thermometer. I bought one just for candy making, and it was more accurate than the candy thermometer that I had. So I think that helped. But I also cooked the sugar a little bit hotter than what most of the recipes had called for, and I was finally able to get the right consistency and color on it. So I think I did it right. They came out right. They came out like I wanted them to. But I think it was the temperature and the equipment I was using, but I was finally able to get it done, made some. They were fantastic. So I'll be snacking on those through Christmas. May leave some out for Santa. I don't know how Santa feels about pralines, but we have some cookies too. I'm just, you know, variety. He might be getting sick and tired of cookies. All right, we've got time for just one call before we go uh, out for the show. We've got John on the line. John, how are you today? Merry Christmas, man. Hey, Merry Christmas, man. Hey, uh, your little story about your, uh, what you said, your grandma's praline? Yes. Uh, yeah, it brought me back to the way I learned to cook a gumbo was um, my wife's Meemaw. We had her come over to the house, and I was like, show us how you make your gumbo. And I took some notes as she was telling us and walking us through it. And now basically the way I make, the way I make my gumbo is basically her recipe yes. from her mouth. So. Yes. Well, see, family recipes are good for things like gumbo. But when, when they write it down on a card and then give it to you, don't trust it. That's what I'm learning about grandmas and great-grandmas. Do not trust it if they just write it down on a card and give it to you. For whatever reason, they just—they're leaving something. Out. They've been doing it by—they've been doing it by instinct all these years. Haven't looked at a recipe, so when they do write it down, they probably forgot something, or they don't want anybody up to to one up them at the family gathering, so they leave something off. I'm convinced that's what it is. Oh, John. maybe they got a secret. Maybe they might so. have a secret they're leaving out. All right, John. Thank you very much for the call. I got to go. You guys have a great day. Talk to you again tomorrow, and then Christmas here on News Talk ninety six point five KPL. Follow me on Twitter at Joe P Cunningham. Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show. The show notes are live on joecunninghamshow.substack.com. Shannon is offsides next here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Y'all stick around.